0: Good morning, and welcome to our service this morning, the 24th of July. Um, there's a few people probably away, hopefully they didn't get stuck in the traffic jams um, going down to France, but um, it's nice to see so many of you still here. Um, we're going to have our service this morning looking at a sense, shared sense of unity. Um, I'm going to lead the service with Adrian um, and uh, Andrew. Before Tim comes and speaks of us to us later on this morning, um, can we have our call to worship on the screen, please? Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be one of mind and live in peace. And the God of love and peace be will be with you. Thinking about shared sense of unity and um, thinking through what we were going to do, um, it made me think through what the first song we we're going to sing. For we are weak in this world sometimes. But through Christ, we can say that we are strong. We can say that when we are faced by trials on every side, we know that our outcomes are secure because we have Christ on our side. And Christ has died for the prize that we now have in terms of salvation. For he has risen. And we will run the the race And and that we may run with faith to win the prize that he has given us. Let's stand and sing, O church, arise, put your armor on and hear the call of Christ our captain. Let's stand and sing. Everyone who calls on his name, who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. When I call on your name, Lord, you answer me. You deliver me out of darkness, so now I can stand in the new life, because you came down with your love and you rescued me. Love came down and rescued me when I call on your name. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Because he came down to make all of us part of his family. For I'm building a people of power. Build your church, Lord. Make us one, Lord. Make us strong. Join our hearts, Lord, through your Son. In your body, in the kingdom of your son, Lord, we sing, for I'm building a people of power.
1: Please be seated.
0: Tara came and said to me, I didn't know you wore glasses. I said I'm getting old. It hands to us all, I guess. Um, it was interesting. When I first thought about the title that Julie gave me, about a shared sense of unity, Maybe made me think about what is it that binds us? What is it that unifies us? Um, why are we all here? Or do we come because it's Just somewhere to come on a Sunday, or is it something different? made me think a little bit about my journey to being here, partly in its own right. So this is partly a testimony, it's partly a reflection of some of that. Now, some of you will know that I didn't grow up in the church. My family are Hindu, so my dad's quite religious. So I had a sense of God for a long time, way before I got to be coming here. You can blame Cheryl partly for that, in terms of bringing me in and hearing some of the message. But I had heard it through school, through most of my life. I went to a school where... You know, we sang hymns, but, you know, as I was saying this morning, sometimes you just come and you sing. You don't listen to the words. You don't think about the words you're saying. It just, you're just there. it kind of made me think about, well, what is it that unifies us? Because you look out at the world sometimes, and, you know, we see different things. So you come out of Oxford Street Circa, C- a Circus Station, and there will be somebody telling you that the world is going to end, and you need to repent. And there, they're there the whole time. I promise you, if you go there, you'll find somebody who will be doing that. Um you, know, you also see people like, I'm going to say it, Donald Trump standing there in front of a riot squad with the Bible holding it up almost as a weapon. And so it makes you think, well, what are we here that unifies us? You know, and that's the journey that I think that I've been on for a long time, trying to think, well, why are Christians like that? What is it that's different? For me, it's about accepting that I'm not perfect, actually. It's about accepting that I make mistakes, um, and that and there's, there's lots of this. You can find these kind of things on the Internet all the time. But when I saw this, I thought this was quite good. I confess that I'm Christian. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm saying that I'm a sinner who has been saved by Christ, and I need his grace in every day of my life because I'm not perfect. Now, Ian's sitting back there, and he's spoken about the bridge illustration before. Yeah, you. <laughs> Ian it. And so he talked about the bridge illustration. And I've heard other people uh, talk about the bridge illustration many times. And for me, that, for me, is a big thing because I look around at other people and I can see a sense of God all over the place in different religions. But the difference for me is that I'm never going to be good enough on my own. I'm just not. I'm th- there's too many flaws. And so, for me, that sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, the fact that There's another one that I saw where they say, he's still working on me. And I guess he still is. Because for me, it's that sense of salvation. The fact that somebody loved me enough to sacrifice himself on a cross, to shed their blood for me, that made me think, thank you, that you saved me, that you saved each of us.
2: Um,
0: And it's a journey that people have to go on. People have to realize what it is that brings us to So for me, the unity is the fact that we are all saved, that we're all children of Christ. Um, And that I wanted to show you as a kind of semi-reflection on where we're at um, and thinking about those kind of things. But Tim's going to come and talk to us more and tell us what it's meant to be about later on. But that's my own personal journey. We're going to sing a couple of songs, which I want you to stay seated for, because I want this to be more reflective. So the first song we're going to do, I'm going to sing the first verse to you, almost as a prayer. And then we're going to sing it through properly later on. And then in the second song that we sing, there's going to be an instrumental verse where I want it to be quiet. And I want you to have some space just so that you can say a prayer to God or say, say some thanks or whatever you want to do in that period of time before we sing the second verse. And so, um, And so I'm going to sing the first bit to you, hopefully. My only desire is to rest, to be with you, to be in your presence, to sit at your feet, not having to rush away, that I could cherish each moment of time. But that is where I would stay. We're going to sing the the song, Stayed Seated, but in between the two verses we're going to do an instrumental that we will play only and give you a little bit of time say your own prayers. Mary's going to come and do our prayers of intercession.
3: Let us pray. We praise you and thank you, our Heavenly Father, for the unity that we can have with you as a result of what Christ has done in breaking down the barriers that separated us because of our sin. We thank you that whatever our ethnicity, whatever our gender, Whatever our status in life, we are all one in Christ Jesus. You accept each one of us as we are. Help us to demonstrate this unity both in our church life and in the way we live our lives. We pray, Father, for our country at this time when there seems to be a lot of disunity. We pray for your direction in the choice of a new Prime Minister, that you will guide those campaigning on either side, and those who will participate in the final vote. May the process be undertaken peacefully and without rancour, and may the one eventually chosen be helped to prepare to lead with wisdom and integrity. We pray for countries around the world where there is disunity because of war and ethnic unrest. We continue to pray for the situation in Ukraine, that peace will somehow soon be restored. We thank you for the agreement signed to allow grain to be shipped out of Odessa and other ports and pray that safe passage can be allowed so that countries dependent on Ukrainian grain can get the imports that they need. We pray for Ukrainians now living in UK. We thank you for those who have opened their homes to them and for those providing for them in various ways. We pray that you will guide them as they make plans for the future in continuing uncertain times. We pray for Christians living in areas of the world where there is disunity because they are discriminated against by the authorities, by followers of a major religion or by other groups. We pray particularly that something can be done to stop the frequent raids on Christian villages in Nigeria, Myanmar, and also in Mozambique, and in other places too. Comfort those who have lost loved ones and or whose homes, uh, they've lost their homes recently and may they find their strength in you. And finally, Father, we ask that you will help us to demonstrate our togetherness as members of the body of Christ in all that we do this week. Amen. Amen.
0: We're going to stand and sing another song. Following on from that, the Lord has made us strong within him. So give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son. Let's stand and sing. Please be seated. Our reading today is taken from 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve the others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it in one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength of God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever ever and ever. Amen. I'm going to sing one last song before Tim comes to speak to us. Who, O oh Lord, could save themselves? Who could heal themselves? For our shame was deeper than the sea, yet your grace, your sacrifice, goes deeper still. You have made the way to cross that great divide. For when our hearts are far away, Lord, your love goes further still. Let's stand and sing, Who, O oh Lord, could save themselves?
2: Only you can
1: The church should be as one. Some time ago, someone shared with me that that's what they felt God was saying to us as a church, and it seems spot on to me. Ties in with our vision that we should have a shared sense of unity. That unity means not just everybody belonging but everybody feeling like they belong. It's a shared sense, knowing that they belong. But the reality is that not everybody feels that way. And where that's the case, that's a matter for regret and repentance on our part. It's an aspiration, a vision for what we hope and pray we will become. So how do we bring about a shared sense of unity? Doesn't happen simply by virtue of being in the same place at the same time here on a Sunday morning. Doesn't even happen if we have a cup of coffee together after the service. Nor does singing, Bind Us Together, Lord, every week quite do the trick. Just turning up here on a Sunday morning and waiting passively for a sense of belonging to steal up on us and somehow instill itself into our hearts it's not going to happen the task of creating a shared sense of unity is one we are all called to work together on and it's only as we do that and cooperate with the spirit of God that God can work in us and through each of us to let all of us know actually deep down inside that we are together integral members of the body of Christ here in my bright mode. I belong because you reassure me that I belong. And you belong because I let you know that is true of you as well. What do we need to do? In 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 8 to 10, Peter issues three imperatives to his readers. Three things he says you must do this. This is what you need to do. And I've taken the liberty there on the screen of of balancing each positive exhortation with a negative counterpart. So we are called to love each other instead of bearing grudges. We are called to welcome the outsider instead of complaining. And we are called to use our gifts to serve each other instead of promoting ourselves. Let me try and unpack each of those for you this morning. The call to love each other, rather than bearing a grudge, is taken from 1 Peter 4 verse 8, which says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Clearly for Peter, this is the the number one priority, above all, we are to make sure that we do this. If there's one thing that these readers should remember from the letter, it's this. If there's one thing you're going to take away from this morning's service, it is this call, love each other deeply, earnestly, fervently, all the time. It's a command which is dead easy to learn and really hard to do. And that's one of the reasons why it crops up again and again and again, in our Bibles. If it came naturally to us, we wouldn't need to be reminded about it quite so often. Love one another deeply. Put yourselves out for each other. Take the initiative in demonstrating and displaying that love. Show ways of communicating in ways that connect with the person that you have contact with. I like Peter's honesty here because he makes it clear that we don't love each other because we're all such Wonderful people who it's really easy to love. We're not called to love people who are lovely. We're called to love people who are hard to love because they get things wrong and they irritate us and they upset us and they offend us and they make life difficult. How do I know this? Well, Peter says you need to love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. If we were all perfect, the love would come so naturally and easily. But because we're not perfect, we're told to get on with the business of loving each other. And we're talking about extending consistent love to persistent offenders here. We're called to make sure that their capacity to wind us up and keep pressing our buttons never exceeds our capacity to respond to their behaviour with love. The strength and the quality of our love is measured in terms of our readiness to forgive. To love the person we find difficult that's our calling in Christ, because Christ loves us as difficult and awkward and sinful people. It's that love that we share with each other. Talking about forgiveness doesn't mean that we, we allow ourselves to become the passive victims of targeted abuse. There are times where we need to walk away. But love, the kind of love Peter talks about here, does not bear grudges. When someone does something wrong and sooner or later it's inevitable that they will love doesn't drag up the back catalogue of failures and shortcomings over a period of years or even decades so that all that unresolved anger and pain floods out in a destructive response. Love is aware of the past to deal with the past and bury the past so that historic problems do not derail progress towards resolving and forgiving present issues. Peter talks here about a love which is constant and consistent, which doesn't waver even in the face of apparent provocation. It's a love which covers over a multitude of sins rather than holding a grudge. And that's really important. If we're serious about having a shared sense of unity, then that's only possible when we have the kind of love for each other which expresses itself in forgiveness. Covering over someone else's shortcomings for them. However many of them there may be, however much they may have hurt us, but blanketing them with the grace of God and extinguishing the flames of resentment as we do so. Above all, says Peter, first and foremost, if you forget everything else, make sure you have this kind of love for each other. The love that covers a multitude of sins, because without it there can never be a shared sense of unity. Secondly, we are to offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. So those of you on coffee duty this morning, bless you. Thank you so much for the way that you serve us. Those of you who have been on welcome duty this morning, bless you. Thank you so much for making us welcome. We aim to show you hospitality here at Brighton Road on a Sunday morning. But beyond that, beyond the handshake at the door and the conversation perhaps before or after the service, after coffee. Hospitality involves going beyond the small talk. It involves opening our hearts, opening our lives, opening our diaries, opening our homes to each other, being genuinely pleased to see one another. But again, Peter pushes the boat out a bit because the word he uses has connotations of showing hospitality to strangers. love the foreigner, love the outsider, love the person you don't know. This isn't about us sticking to our cosy friendship groups, the person we've, we've been really looking forward to see all week because we got on so well with them. This is about looking outwards to form new friendships. To welcome and include the unfamiliar face. To embrace the person who is not like us. This is a welcome without barriers, without boundaries. And people say, say, Peter says we should extend hospitality to each other without grumbling. Our welcome needs to go beyond the superficial. If we say, hello, lovely to see you, we need to mean it needs to come from the heart. There should be no discrepancy between how we talk to people face to face and how we talk about them when they're out of earshot. We make them welcome, we accept them, and we do so without grumbling. It is, I have to confess, not immediately clear why Peter should pair the command to practice hospitality with the prohibition of grumbling. Perhaps she's thinking about those guests who take more than their fair share of the chocolate biscuits. Or those who outstay their welcome. Hospitality has been described as making people feel at home when you wish they were. (laughs) But what about those who presume upon our kindness? Well that, that may be the case. But for my money there's also a contrast here between looking Inwards and looking outwards. Because grumbling, complaining, if nothing is ever right, then we, were looking, we are inwardly focused and looking at ourselves all the time. We can be too preoccupied with our own gripes to think about welcoming the outsider. If we turn inwards and focus on all the problems and everything that's wrong inside the church, our grumbling just makes us part of the problem and it gets bigger. Now, of course, there will always be something or somebody to grumble about if we put our minds to it. But perhaps the moral is, if you see something wrong, fix it. If you can't fix it yourself, talk to somebody else who can. If they can't fix it either, then pray about it. But don't grumble. The problem is that grumbling is contagious. It just spreads discontent. And sometimes people who like to grumble band together with other people who like to grumble as well. And they form their own kind of tight-knit little subgroup of dissatisfaction. They focus on everything that makes them unhappy and on all the issues they have with anyone who doesn't share their views. But those little groups can build toxic walls of unhappiness, mistrust and disc- discontent which keep people on the outside. A church, any group, which is full of grumblers and complainers, will never be welcoming to our strangers and outsiders. Newcomers will pick up the vibes and stay well away. So we welcome people without grumbling or complaining here at Brighton Road. Again, it's the aim. No church is perfect, of course. I recognise that. There is always material for complaint if you look for it. But a church which is aware of its imperfections and shortcomings, and which still looks outwards, to welcome people in, can do so. Because let's be honest, the people we are welcoming have imperfections and shortcomings of their own. We might not know what they are yet, because we don't know you very well, but as we get to know you better, they will become apparent. And then the love that forgives a multitude of sins will come into play. But in an imperfect church, imperfect people should be perfectly at home. And if you're looking for a perfect church, there's one just down the road. And feel free to go there, because when you arrive, it won't be perfect anymore. (laughs) But if you're looking for fellowship, where the grace of God is helping people who've got things wrong to get it right, then you're more than welcome here. Brighton Road is the place for you because we aim to take on board Peter's call to welcome the stranger and to do so without grumbling. And thirdly, we are called to use the gifts God has given us to serve each other rather than promoting ourselves. So when I or anybody else stands here on a Sunday morning to share a message with you, what matters is not whether he or she is a good public speaker, that's irrelevant. What matters is whether you hear from God or not. Are we speaking God's word to you? And when any of us is busy in church, fulfilling our duties on the innumerable voters that somehow have crept back into our lives post-COVID, how did that happen? None of that is about how hard we work compared to everybody else. We serve. We serve readily in God's strength to bring him praise, not to shine the light on ourselves, and to show his glory by how we do it, and his power, because we do it in his strength. So what abilities do you have? Are you one of these wonderfully gifted people Well, will recognise that you are a gifted person because God has given you those gifts? And he's given them to you so you can use them to serve other people. Is any job beneath you? No. Because God looks for humble people who will perform menial tasks and do so willingly. Because we follow in the footsteps, don't we, of the one who didn't come to be served but to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. And yet whatever job it is we do, however lowly it might feel to us, God does not look on any of us as menial slaves. In his eyes, you are a steward of the many different forms of grace he has entrusted to you. And a steward in a household occupies a position of great responsibility. Managing the resources entrusted to them in such a way that they are used to best and maximum effect. God has given you his grace so that that grace will manifest itself in your life in a way that is unique to you. Every day, God will give you opportunities to show his grace in the way in which you interact with other people. In the way in which you perform whatever tasks come across your path. In how you do your work when nobody else is watching. In the way in which you live your life as an expression of praise to God. The gifts God has given you, he entrusts to you to put to good use In his service. And because he's generous, he can give you fulfilment and satisfaction as you do so. Because there is joy to be found in using God's gifts in God's service. But the question is never, well, what do I get out of this then? Or what's in it for me then? The question is always, how can I serve this person? How can I enrich their life today? How can I share the grace of Christ with them in this particular opportunity? How can I bring praise and glory to God in this situation? And the grace of God can manifest itself in those situations in a way that is unique to you as it's refracted through your life into someone else's heart. And it's as we are all engaged in serving each other and building each other up, that we all come to share in a sense of unity. And it's as we work together in serving our community that we come closer to each other, through our cooperation with one another and with the Spirit of God. So to return to what I said at the beginning, this vision of a shared sense of unity is a call to action. It's a call to love one another deeply without bearing grudges because that kind of love covers over a multitude of sins. It's a call to welcome the outsider instead of complaining. (coughs) To show hospitality to the stranger, to open our hearts, our homes, our lives to one another. And to use our God. Given gifts to serve each other so that whatever we do, whatever we say, becomes an expression of God's grace in that situation, in that relationship. God calls us to be one in Christ, but He does not hand that shared sense of unity to us on a plate. What He has given to us is all the resources and tools we need to bring about that shared sense of unity as we allow God's word to bear fruit in our hearts and as we commit ourselves to work on this project together. So let's spend a moment in reflection and I'll lead us in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming us so that we belong to God. And if we belong to God, we belong to each other as well. Thank you for our fellowship. Forgive us for those times when we've picked at the seams that bind us together. Would you flood our hearts and lives with your grace, with the love that forgives, with the the welcome that embraces and accepts, with the grace that is ready to serve. Give us all a sense of your acceptance of us, of your inclusion of us within your purposes and of the bonds that unite us within your body. Help us to realise the shared sense of unity, which is your purpose for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as a prayer, can I invite you to stand and sing together Holy Spirit, Living Breath. Thank mm-hmm. I invite you to share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of